We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski coming to you from the comfort of my office in the upstairs of my house in New Athens, Illinois. <laughs> and this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from my office at Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. And we're looking forward to the day when we can both be in the studio there at KFU. Uh, I talked with Gary Duncan, who's kind of the manager there, and he said, yeah, yeah, once COVID is over, we'll be back. Because it's a lot nicer actually getting to see your beautiful face, man. Oh, well, thanks, John. <laughs> I miss our broom closet. Uh, <laughs> That's right. I'm sure they'll clean clean all the mops out and everything for That's us. Right. <laughs> Replace the one bare light bulb hanging from the ceiling. That's yeah. right. It'll probably need to be dusted, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is more fun to record in person, though. No doubt about that. Uh, but you know, thank God for technology that we're able to still do this even with COVID and, and everything going on. Yeah, that's the cool thing. We can still get the the good news of God's love for us. Uh, and COVID hasn't stopped that. You know, that's the promise that God said, that nothing's going to stop his word from going to the ends of the earth. And, and COVID hasn't been able to do that either. Plus, uh, I got a really cool microphone from KFUO. So, oh, that's uh, hey, right. <laughs> can't beat that. So, yeah, Gary Duncan, if you're listening, thank you very much. Uh, that has come in the mail and it's come in handy. So uh, thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> so, so you know, Matt, we, we, we kind of agreed that we wouldn't do any jokes uh, during the season of Lent. And did, did you hear that? Did you hear that, Matt? I think that was a collective sigh of relief from all of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Lent was longer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it'd be all right to have a little game, right? If, if we're not, we could still have a little game. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. All okay. Right. Let's do it. So, so here's the game. The game is going to be called What's the Context? And what I'm going to, and, and by the way, if, if you don't know these, don't feel bad because I didn't know these until later in my ministry. In fact, the one I didn't know until just a few months ago. Uh, uh, but I'm going to give you a, a Bible passage and, and I want you to tell me where does this come from? Uh, we'll, we'll start with a Christmas thing. I know we, I know we're almost to the end of, of the Lenten season, but I want to, you know, that passage about a star shall come out of Jacob. Uh, you know, that's the passage that drove the Magi My, to yes. come seeking uh, Jesus. Do you know what Old Testament prophet said that prophecy? A star shall come out of Jacob. Oh, the star shall come out of Jacob. Um... I, not off the top of my head, John. Well, it's a trick question because there isn't an Old Testament prophet that says that. <laughs> John Lekomsky, <laughs> golly. Well, and see, again, I, how many years have we studied that? We do the story of the Magi. We quote that passage. And right away, we know it's in Numbers, but that should have told us something because there's no prophets in the book of Numbers. So that prophecy actually was spoken by another Magi. That was spoken by Balaam, the son of Beor. 
Uh, and, and all of a sudden, a little, he's a little sketchy, that Balaam guy. Oh, yeah, he's a false prophet, if, if any kind of prophet. Uh, and of course, then it all makes sense because I always wondered how is it that the wise men knew about this uh, king being born, but they didn't know the prophecy in Micah that he would be born in Bethlehem. And the answer is because they're not going by scripture. They probably had the big book of Magi quotes, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you, you're right. You know, if you're a Magi, you probably have the, the the complete encyclopedia of things Magis have said in the past. So it has nothing to do with, with the scripture. It had to do with this prophecy from this Balaam from ages ago. All right. So that that's one that always struck me as interesting. Now, here's the one I just learned a, a few weeks ago. Uh, you know the passage about, uh, let's see if I can find it here. I knew I had it. Where did it go? Oh, I can't find Oh, here it is. Yes. Uh, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heavens and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And then your offspring, by the way, in the singular, by the way, not, not a bunch of them, but just one of them. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, that's a classic passage, right? Of course, it sure. relates to Jesus. Do you know what the context of that passage is, though? Well, what comes to mind first is the, the Lord's message to Abraham uh, in the book of Genesis. Exactly. <laughs> that's the easy part. <laughs> But what has happened immediately before the Lord made, and this is what I didn't realize, what has happened immediately before the Lord makes that promise about, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed? Well, I think that's right before Abraham has any offspring, right? When he's uh, Before he has Isaac. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the context is the sacrifice of Isaac. Yeah, when he's about to... Kill his own son and not yeah, well, that, go that, the that, offspring. Yeah, and, 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 and but see that that that's such a crazy story—the sacrifice of Isaac. And, but 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 God explains what that's all about. He says, "All right, no, no, you don't need to kill your son. Remember that—that's the whole thing. The Lord will provide." Abraham says, and the Lord did provide a ram, and he stills the hand of of Abraham. And then he explains, "Now here's the point, Abraham, so that you don't get confused. A sacrifice needs to be made, but it isn't going to be your son." But it will be my son. He will the one. It'll be an offspring of yours. That's true. Many, many, many generations in the future. And this offspring then will uh, be the means by which all the nations will be blessed. So so I never realized that before. That promise about the offspring and the nations being blessed, the context is that Abraham almost but didn't sacrifice his own son Isaac. So anyway, I just thought those were kind of cool. And uh, they they help us understand some things. But now I understand you have yet another passage that you want to deal about. And and what passage is that, Matt? Yeah, that's going to be John chapter 2 is what we're going to be looking at. Uh, No, good insights. Now, in my defense, John, though. Yes. (laughs) He does promise Abraham that the the sentence is numerous as the stars in the sky uh, in chapter 15 of Genesis, even before he has Isaac. Um, which I think is cool too. You know, here's this promise before he even has a kid. And then like you pointed out, even after that son of promises looks to be sacrificed and he's going to lose him, you know, still that promise remains. So uh, promises, promises, promises everywhere, which is uh, remarkable. 
And, and, and you know what, what's cool about that whole business about the stars of the heaven and the sand on the seashore, if you ever go to the Creation Museum there in Kentucky, they, they will tell you that there are actually more stars than all the sand on all the seashores on the world. And that just blows you away. Um, yeah, where yeah, does where does it end? You know, outer space. I mean, it's uh, it's just, it's blows us away. I don't think our minds can even fathom it. It's incredible. So, so, so when we read that as children, we had no idea how profound that promise was when it mentioned the sand and the the stars. That's just beyond what we can grasp. But but again, I think it's cool. You're right. I I, I didn't mean to say you were wrong about that context. The, those promises were there from the very beginning. But I think it's interesting the specific promise about all the nations being blessed comes in connection with the sacrifice or the near sacrifice, you might say, of Isaac. And, and to me, it, it it helps us understand that very, very strange story that God was saying, yeah, a sacrifice needs to be made for there to be a blessing, but it's not going to be your your son, Isaac. It, 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 it will be my son, uh, that singular offspring there again. Okay, anyway, but back to your passage, because you've got another Old Testament passage. Uh, you want, where do you want to start reading at? John so, 2, you said. Yeah, let's start with John chapter 2, and I think this really fits well with um, what's going on today, too, John. Uh, it was just a year ago, uh, almost exactly a year ago, uh, where this thing called the coronavirus appeared that we had no idea was going to be that big of a deal. And then here we are a year later, and things still are are quite different than what they had been. Uh, I remember a year ago here at Ascension, where I serve, uh, just looking at the church calendar and anticipating the different springtime events. We have uh, the, the annual Easter egg hunt was coming up, and uh, we had a fundraiser coming up. And, and more importantly, we had uh, Lenten Wednesday worship service with a meal beforehand and Holy Week services, Good Friday and Easter and all those wonderful things. And then, you know, life changed. Uh, things were put on hold because of the pandemic. Uh, worship for a time. We were just meeting online uh, due to the pandemic, and uh, things were, were much different. Uh, and even today, they're different. Uh, people still worshiping primarily online uh, in some uh, some families for a variety of reasons, and, and people, I think, know their risk factors and, and what they're able to uh, do and not do. Uh, people returning to worship in person, though, too, John. We've, we've got worshipers now that have received two vaccination shots, and they're coming back to worship in person for the first time in a full year. And, and that reminded me of what we're about to read, uh, where it talks about zeal for the Father's house, zeal for the Father's house. And I hope that whether people are still worshiping online or whether they're in person, whatever the circumstances, I just pray that people have a, a zeal for for their father's house, uh, for the Lord's house. Uh, and that word zeal, a passion, a fervor, an eagerness uh, for the father's house. Um, so I, I pray people have that. And, and the reason I bring that up is because that's the description that's given to Jesus today from John chapter 2 and from, as you alluded to, from the Old Testament as well. So as we read this account about Jesus, you know, for us to think about ourselves too and how do we view uh, our father's house. 
So, so before before we begin, I, I'd like to make an editorial comment. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, because you know, the last few weeks we, we've been talking about this thing called Adiaphora. Yes. Uh, about human traditions, and, and your your comment just made me reflect on that because you're right. A year ago, we were all ready to do our traditions, to do Ash Wednesday, and the meals that go along with that, and Holy Week, and Easter, and all of that stuff. And all of a sudden, we could not do it the way we would normally do it. And I'm wondering if the Lord wasn't trying to remind us that as as good as all that stuff is, trust me, I love the meals we had on Ash Wednesday. Because <laughs> you know me, I love to eat. And I also love the stuff we would do at Easter. But I wonder if it isn't the Lord reminding us, again, that's just all offer. That's all human tradition. And the main thing that the the preaching of Jesus Christ's suffering and death and his resurrection and all of this for us and our salvation, that still happened. It didn't happen in the normal way, but it still happened. And, and we need to remember that. That's the important stuff, that that gospel. Everything else we can do is is, is neither here nor there. We can do it or not. Uh, but but the important thing is that the gospel always gets proclaimed. Now, the zeal of the Father's house, is there something you want me to read? Or Yeah, let's go to uh, John chapter 2, and let's just begin with verse 13. Okay. The cleansing of the temple. Uh, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. How far do you want me to read, Matt? Well, let's go through verse 16. All right. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, with the money changers sitting there, and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables, and he told those who sold the pigeons, you pigeon sellers, you take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. All right, good. <laughs> Thank you. And then go ahead and read verse 17 too. And this is uh, where we're getting into the psalm, uh, Psalm 69, in case you're wondering, uh, that is, comes to the disciples' remembrance. So go ahead and read that too, if you don't mind. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Yeah, there you go. There's that zeal word. Uh, so to set the scene here, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, part of the Passover celebration. And when he comes to the temple, he's he's grieved. <laughs> he's heartbroken. Uh, here in the temple, people are selling animals for sacrifice. They're exchanging money. Um, practically, people couldn't bring their animal sacrifices all the way from wherever they live to Jerusalem in order to sacrifice them. So instead, what they did was they would travel to Jerusalem and then they would buy the sacrifice once they arrived there. Nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, but the problem was that sacrifice sale, uh, the marketplace for the sacrifices, was moved out of the marketplace and moved into the courts of the temple itself, into the courts of the temple sanctuary. And so you have all these animals, and you can imagine the scene, John. You, you've got these the haggling that's going on with, with buyers and sellers. You've got the, the cattle uh, lowing and sheep bleeding and coins clinking and all the mess and smell that comes along with it. So it's a, probably a little bit of a distraction to worship. And then what's even worse are those money changers, people exchanging money. So when you come to the temple, uh, you can't use your Roman coins that you probably brought with you, right? Well, of uh, course not. It's got a picture of Caesar Augustus on it. it That's a yeah. graven image. What's wrong with you? Yep. And, even, <laughs> yeah, and even worse, it has an inscription saying that Caesar's God. on Oh, the my itself. goodness. My um, blasphemy. 
Yeah. So to purchase your sacrifices in the temple, uh, you have to exchange your money for temple money, or at least money without Caesar's image on it. And, you know, again, not, not that big of a deal, except the money changers started to charge these huge fees to people to exchange the money. And so what they're doing is they're making money off of worshiper sacrifices, and they're doing it all right there in the temple courts. So that's the situation. Uh, this is more than just people selling Girl Scout cookies in the church lobby <laughs> before or after church, all right? Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. We got to get on to that, though. Those <laughs> girls, they're, they're jacking up the price of those cookies, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, so John, do not make a whip and overturn the Girl Scout cookies <laughs> seller's table and knock over their coins and drive them out. Um, hey, 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 man, that, that ain't going to happen because they're giving me kickback. I get a free box of cookies for letting them do that, yeah. which is probably what the priests are doing here too that's why the money yeah they get a little kickback from the money changers sure so so we don't want girl scout cookies to overshadow worship right but (laughs) this is more than that this is people taking advantage of people in the name of worship and (laughs) stealing their money i mean this is bad news uh and so jesus is filled with well sometimes we call it a, a holy or a righteous anger and he makes this whip out of cords and he cleans house uh, he drives out the people that are selling the the animals. He pours out the coins. He overturns their tables. And he leaves, in this wake of destruction that Jesus leaves, he says, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And but, then the disciples can't help but remember those Old Testament words, zeal for your house will consume me. And, and, and what I never noticed before this year, and, and again, the same thing with the opening questions. Yeah, I didn't notice those things until just recently. But isn't it interesting that he drives out the money changer? Well, actually, he turns that their stuff over. He just leaves that in disarray. He whips the, the people with the sheep and the oxen. But did you notice that the guys that sell the pigeons, he, he doesn't do either of those things. He neither whips them nor turns things over. But he mm-hmm. does say, get get your stuff out of here. Yeah. Don't, don't make this. And I'm wondering if that isn't because the pigeon dealers were the people that dealt with the poor people. Yeah, I wonder if he didn't treat them a little gentler because they weren't making big bucks on this. No, they had chosen a career, uh, and I'm not saying it was good what they were doing. Obviously, he says get out, but but uh, anyway, I'd never noticed that that little detail before. Yeah, I don't know. Perhaps so. I, uh, yeah, um, that's kind of a neat thing to think about. I mean, that's we remember back. That's what Jesus, his family, what they brought right when they go to the temple. And and you uh, talked initially. about that weeks yep. ago, and that's what made me think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, perhaps so. The, the other thing I wanted to bring about is I, I don't think that it's just a matter of, of anger here at people that Jesus that motivates Jesus to do this. But I think, too, what's motivating him is, is truly a zeal, a love for his father's house. So it's not just he's upset at people for, for selling stuff, but it's also that he, he loves his father's house. And because of that, because of how special it is. Uh, that's why, too, he's so upset by the scene and just grieved by the scene that he sees there uh, before him. So I, I don't want to stop there, though, because the, the account's not over. Because we, we could stop there and we could say, oh, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the temple's very important and worship is important, and it certainly is. But then it goes a little further than that. I think Jesus even gives some clarity as to what is of ultimate importance uh, when it comes to worship. So if you could read verses uh, 18 through 22 as 
uh, Jesus's question about why he's able to do this. What gives him the authority to do this? Give us a sign, Jesus. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Uh, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Yeah. So as important as that temple is, and it is important, no doubt. What's even more important here is is the temple that Jesus talks about here, right? Um, the Jews are confused. It takes 46 years to build this temple. Excuse me. The temple there is Herod's temple, uh, of course, uh, there in Jerusalem. And um, Jesus isn't talking about that one. He's talking about the temple of his body, uh, that, that body where, where Jesus came to dwell among us, uh, to live among us as God and man. And that temple is going to be destroyed. It's going to be destroyed on the cross where Jesus sheds his blood as that ultimate sacrifice, greater than any sacrifice of oxen or uh, sheep or even pigeons, uh, Jesus' sacrifice that's once for the sins of the world. And then that sacrifice that's going to be raised up again. Uh, so in the context of how important the temple is, and it is, um, it's important ultimately because it's pointing to the greater temple it's point a greater sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the one who will be destroyed, but then raised up after three days. And, and it's interesting that if, if, if you would look at the text in the Greek, there's actually two different words used for temple that just emphasize what you say, Matt. Because originally when it says he drove them all out of the temple, the, the word there is just for the building and the structure and the entire uh, uh, temple uh, alcove, whatever. I, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but you know what I'm saying? The whole thing, all the buildings there yeah. together that are called yeah. the temple. But but this particular word that Jesus uses, destroy this temple and the temple of his body, uh, that's actually the word for the place where God dwells. That's that's the uh, that's the shrine. That's where the that's where God is located, uh, and so you're right. So that's the thing. It's not just this is a center of worship, but it's my father's house. This is where Dad is, and this is now where I am as God. Uh, only now it's not in any kind of building or structure. It's within my body, that will, as you said, it will die, and as we're going to celebrate in just a couple of weeks, will also rise again. Most definitely. And, and I think the, the neat thing in all this is, is to realize that Jesus' Father's house is also ultimately our Father's house, too. Yeah. Um, we, the LCMS, uh, the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, they put out these different graphics uh, for people as, as they return to worship and for churches during COVID. And the one just says, welcome back to your Father's house. And I really like that. In fact, we, we blew it up and it's a banner now that we put up here to send oh, as people cool. return. But, but that's so, I, what a beautiful statement because through baptism, through water and the word, uh, we are made children of God, children of the heavenly father. And so as we come to worship, it's, it's our father's house. And I think that's such a beautiful truth too. And one that I, I hope we don't ever lose sight of, uh, that, that it's our father's house that we're coming to. And that's a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, you know, as, as COVID hopefully clears up, uh, we uh, were meeting with, I was meeting with, uh, along with other pastors in the St. Louis area, with some of the seminary students at Concordia Seminary in, in Clayton. Uh, we were meeting with the second year seminary class, and they could ask the pastors any questions, John, uh, whatever they wanted oh, to ask about. 
Wow. Uh, so watch out. And guess what most of their questions were about? <laughs> what, what, Matt? What? You've got me interested. <laughs> they were about COVID. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and rightly so, right? How it affects ministry. Because, you know, these guys are going to be headed out of Vicarage's second year class. And they're going to go to a congregation that uh, looks vastly different than it did a year or two ago. <laughs> they're going to have to be facing uh, ministry in the midst of COVID. But the, the question that came up multiple times is, what do you think, pastors? Are people going to return to worship in person once this is passed? Um, you know, people are online. That's great. That's good. Wonderful. Uh, they can still connect to God's word. But are they going to return physically in person to their father's house? Um, and that's a good question. Uh, so what I'd like to do, John, maybe at the beginning of, of our next episode uh, is look at, I want to just share four reasons why coming in person to our Father's house as we're able, as it's safe, right, uh, as conditions improve, why that's important, why it's important to be there in person. I think there's more than four reasons, Okay, but I thought that, I could just share four. All right. That sounds good. I might have to cut you off, though, because our time is up. Okay. Uh, but that looks like a good project for, for our next recording. This has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the, the Basics. The basics.